1: All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. Just kidding. You know, there's a line in Dumb and Dumber, Jordan, when, uh, like, he says something like, you know, just when I could think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and totally redeem yourself or whatever the line is. So <laughs> that's how I'm feeling about like- things today.
0: Yeah, you're in a good mood. You're smiling. You're laughing. Like, it's you're, just, you're happy to be here. Like, this is not down or depressed Jeff. You don't make me want to like go sip cyanide afterwards.
1: Yes. Well, what reason would you have to be down and depressed after that race? I'm here at Las Vegas motor speedway. By the way, my name is Jeff Gluck. I'm along with Jordan Bianchi. And I actually got to see what we think of as the straight up traditional playoff race where the playoff drivers got to race it out uh, to determine who is the fastest and who is the best in a spot uh, to earn a spot for the final four Uh, We saw a great battle. We saw some strategy. We saw, um, you know, some exciting restarts. Uh, We saw some controversy. And, uh, you know, I I was like, wow, that was what I was (laughs) hoping for to see out of the playoffs. We haven't seen much yet. Obviously, last week I was pretty bummed about just uh, the state of everything. And uh, this week, right back up and feeling good about the playoffs uh, and then ask our season once again. So, Jordan, what did you what do you think of the race there?
0: Yeah, I mean that was that was a good race. I mean that was a that was what you want to see out of an intermediate track race in the playoffs. You know, at Las Vegas, and that was fun. It was entertaining. The winner, you didn't know who was going to win. You had guys. Some guys were good in short runs. Some guys were better on long runs. You had strategy elements at play. Um, you, you had a little bit of controversy as, as well with Bubba and Kyle. I mean, this race just had it all. It, it was good. It was compelling. And of what we've had, a, a very topsy-turvy, uneven playoff, it was nice to have a race like this. Frankly, I think everyone needed it, especially NASCAR.
1: I, I feel that way very strongly. I mean, it was just nice to – I mean, when you're talking to the drivers after the race, it wasn't like, how did you get here? You know, like, how did you end up here? What what fluke got you here? What weird gimmicky type thing created this scenario for you? It was like, like Chase Briscoe, for instance, right? Like – and we'll we'll talk about each driver as as we go through this podcast. But I mean, here's a guy who was completely out to lunch, just like he was at Texas. Um, and then in that Texas race finished top five, ends up finishing fourth today. And he was standing there afterwards saying, you know what? We were we legitimately ran fourth today. We didn't need any help to get there. Um, and in fact, I wish the last caution or whatever hadn't come out because I thought I was gonna be able to pass Justin Haley straight up and and beat him and and I could taste the final four. And, you know, he was kind of, Briscoe was kicking himself for, um, excuse me, a move, a bad move on the last restart. He, he went, uh, he missed time the restart and, uh, he allowed everybody to catch up to him and he was bummed about that. But still, I mean, you know, he's standing there and it wasn't like a, a mystery how he got there. They made their, they started off bad, made their car better. And, you know, that's what championship caliber stuff happens. Sometimes we saw that with Jimmy Johnson over the years and, um, <clears throat> Excuse me again. <laughs> Go
0: ahead. No, it, it was good. It was it's really interesting to see his progression because I mean they were bad at the start of this race. And you think, okay, this is this is the guy who no one expected to get this far. Most people had him on one. He and he he needed a lot of help to get out of round two. And he gets this far. Like, okay, he's definitely gonna be one of these guys. And then to their credit, like they, they figured this out. They didn't they didn't use gimmicks or anything like this. This was they they went to work and made their car better. And they went through, and they started getting better. And Briscoe moved up, and you're like, "Holy cow!" Like, man, I didn't think he, I didn't think he had the car to win. It never felt like that. It always felt like, even if he got around Haley, Chestnut was better, Logano was better. It just, but he still was going to leave there with a really good finish. And that's what you need to do. Is on your bad days, you need to figure out how to just minimize the loss. And to your point, Jimmy Johnson, that's what they did so well. Is when they had bad days, they made it better. They figured it out. And then you look at this, you're like, okay, he got out of here with a good finish. Then you're going to the Homestead, which is a really good track for him. It's like, okay, <laughs> all of a sudden, like the the surprise that is Chase Briscoe, like this dark horse, like he's got some life, like he's got a realistic chance to get to Phoenix. I don't know if he's going to or not, because Martinsville still looms large. But if he goes to Homestead and runs well where he should, you never know.
1: And you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum. You have the other chase, Chase Elliott, who I mean oh. you would have easily thought these would be flip-flopped. Um, Chase Elliott finishes what 21st, never was really in the top 20 all day. I mean, was no. just they completely missed it. Afterwards, he you know, took a lot of the blame and and said he led the team down the wrong road with changes and they could never get it right. And um, you know, I, I said, Hey, well, at least you know you got that that points buffer that's gonna help you, right? Um, because like he's, he's above the cut line. Chase Briscoe's below the cut line despite their finishes today. And Chase Elliott was like, yeah, but what good's it going to do if you run like this? And, you know, if you can't win the championship with it, what, what's the point? So, um, you know, they, they've got a lot of sort of soul searching to do going to Homestead now another mile and a half track. And then, you know, who knows what Martinsville is going to be like the track position race that's going to be. Um, so all of a sudden Chase Elliott is not as, you know, we we were like, ah, shoe in you know he's got this big yeah, buffer I mean, you know and now look look what they did with it this was a very like this was a shocking performance from them honestly
0: yeah i mean i look at it two ways one is okay they had a really really bad, bad day and they went from 31 points up to 17 points up and you know you losing that, that that 14 points that could be huge I, I also look at it like this they had a really bad day and this was the first really off weekend they've had in a while, off the top of my head. and they have been, even when they've had issues like at Kansas, they were fast at Kansas, right? And but this was the first time they've just missed it. They just flat missed it. And they still were able to get out of here and they still have 17 points. And yeah, that that's scary because if you go to Homestead and something happens, or if you go to Martinsville and who knows what happens there, all of a sudden that could be gone in a flash. But, you know, it, it, it's just kind of your perspective on things. But I I, I was really surprised, though, because mile-and-a-half racetracks have been good for this team, and Hendrick Motorsports as a whole really didn't do much today. Like, William Byron was good, but he wasn't, like, great at times. Like, he kind of had his own issues and kind of faded at the end there <laughs> with the handle of his race car and bottoming out and everything. And it was just, you know, is, is it concerning? I don't know. It's, it's hard to correlate is what we saw today going to happen next week at, at Homestead because they're just two different tracks but I would be concerned if I'm an Elliott fan of losing 14 points because you know how things can happen in Homestead. Like you can have a problem. You, you see a lot of long green flag runs in there. If you have a problem and you could fall down in a hurry and you go to Martinsville and Martinsville is completely chaotic and hall hell breaks loose. And you're on the wrong end of that. It, th- those 14 points you lost today. Um, Luke large.
1: Well, I tell you what, I mean, I, you know, watching both sort of the, the Hendrick drivers today, the, the remaining Hendrick playoff drivers, Um, Like you said, Byron, I mean, um, he's only, I guess, six points below the cut line, but you don't really have a lot of a lot to lean on there to feel like good about their performance. And obviously Elliot as well, Um, you know, on on the other hand of the spectrum, like on the other end of that as well, you know, I I thought this was going to be a Toyota day and then maybe like a track house slash Hendrick, you know, maybe they would be up there as well. And then I really didn't give much credit to the Fords and, I mean, Team Penske looked good today. Um, Unfortunately, two of their drivers ended up having issues, but the remaining one won the race. And, you know, he also had, even if he wasn't going to win the race, he got a lot of stage points. I think he ended up with 18 stage points or something. Um, You know, Joey Logano, with all his experience, is able to take that opportunity, seize it. Um, Obviously, <clears throat> the, the 13 lap fresher tires was the key there and he was able to pass Ross Chastain really late, late in the race. A uh, great battle there. Um, and now you have Joey Logano going to the final four for the fifth time in his career. Um, and you know, you could look at it and say, well, you know, I could easily see how he could win that. He could win the championship. And, and it, w- this hasn't really been a season where we've been like, Oh yeah, Joey Logano is championship favorite by any means. But, um, look, I mean, this has been a wide open year and and the fact that he's there now uh, and they have two weeks to focus on what they're going to do for Phoenix and Ford seems to be, I mean, certainly making gains. Uh, man, how do you feel about it?
0: It's interesting. I asked Ryan Blaney earlier in the week about you know, forged chances this weekend because it did feel like this was Toyota. We talked a lot about how Toyota these next two weeks, you know, Chris Rebell, Denny Hamlin, these were the guys to watch and it felt like there was a really good opportunity for them. And I asked Ryan that I said, you know, do you, how do you feel about this? Do you feel like you guys have a chance? You guys were fast at Texas, but it did seem like Toyotas were a little faster. And he said, no, we like we made a lot of gains at Texas and we feel like if we can continue that progression, we we are in the ballpark with them and we can beat them. And so Blaney was fast all weekend. Logano was fast all weekend. And that's an encouraging sign. And it would have been interesting to see had Bell not been caught up in the the Kyle Larson, Bubba Wallace, whatever we're calling that. I don't think accident's the right word because that was certainly intentional. (laughs) Um, But whatever that was, I mean, Bell had a really fast car. And and Hamlin did a really good job of qualifying poorly and getting his way to the front. And he was in the mix at the end there, too. So they did a good job of kind of making the most out of this. Um, uh, Well, you know. It's going to be interesting to see what Blaney does from here, because to me, this is really disappointing. And this kind of encapsulates Ryan Blaney's playoff in his career. Like he has never made it to the final four before. That's the big roadblock for him. And I go back to last year at Kansas. He had a really good, solid year, good point situation, right? Goes to round the first race in round three at Kansas was running in the top 10. I think he was like sixth or something late in the race, 30 laps to go or whatever ends up wrecking. And, you know, that can't happen. And you're in a really good spot, you can't have that happen. And it cost him and he was never able to recover. And again, today, perfect situation. Maybe he would've won the race, maybe he wouldn't have, but he was gonna finish second. Plus he got stage points. So he was in a really good spot and he's going to Homestead, good track for him, going to Martinsville where he runs well. Like this is, you're looking at this going, this is good. This is what you need to do. This is how you put yourself in a championship position. And then you get into the wall and it just goes down the drain. I, I just look at this like this is this this round is is Ryan Blaney's Waterloo. Like he just cannot figure this out. And I don't know if the car is something broke in the car, if he just got loose or whatever it was. But you, you just can't you can't do it.
1: Nothing broke. I mean, we gave him every opportunity yeah. afterwards to sort of explain what happened. And, and he's just like, I wrecked. I hit the wall. I mean, can't do it. It was he's boy after the race today. I, I'm not sure I've ever seen him just as as pissed uh, as he was. I mean, he, he really knew that was hugely costly to his chances. Um, I mean, just total bummer, self-inflicted mistake. Like you said, running second, uh, had a great car. You don't know what's going to happen at the end of the race. If you can just stay in it and just unfortunately takes himself out, just really bad circumstances there for him. Uh, I just, yeah, it's, I I don't know how you recover from that. That's, that's tough. That's a real gut punch there. I'm sure he's going to be eager to, I'm sure he probably wishes Homestead was tomorrow to try to get back out there, but that, that hurts. Especially, you know, knowing what we now know about Ford having more speed and they, you know, figured Mm -hmm. some stuff out at the Homestead test. It sounds like Denny Hamlin to the point where he said, Hey, at this point, um, were more Davids than Goliaths, the Toyotas. I was really surprised to hear him say that. But um, he said something interesting that I I did not know about. Maybe this is not out there. Maybe it is. Maybe you've heard of this. He said that, uh, I guess, NASCAR had taken you know various manufacturers back to the wind tunnel, and they're going to let Toyota change their nose next year and get a new nose because oh. their arrow numbers were so bad compared to the rest of the field. Have you heard that?
0: I had not heard that. That is new.
1: That, that was what he said on pit road after the race. So, um, he was interesting. You know, he was basically they see, they saying pretty
0: like, fast on intermediate tracks this year.
1: Well, but he was saying that, you know, they've, they've done what they can, but they're at a disadvantage on these type of tracks, despite mm. it seemed like we thought they were the favorites, but they're saying arrow number wise, I guess they haven't been and that. Um, they're so far off that they're going to be allowed to have a new nose. So that, I mean, that's what, that's what he said. I haven't got yeah, that confirmed. And this was just, you know, minutes ago, basically. So, um, but, yeah, um, obviously. I mean, look. I mean, Chastain. I I really think th- this this is a great day for him. Um, you know, he he was sort of like, man, if I just, I you know, he felt like he had learned from Logano, and if he had just tried to, you know, maybe do one move different, um, may, maybe he could have blocked, you know, arrow blocked. But Logano said afterwards, there's, there's nothing he could have done. I mean, uh, Logano's tires were so so much fresher and his car was so much faster that, you know, Ross was really trying hard to to do everything he could. And, and Logano knew that he was going to make some very aggressive, desperate move if, if he had the chance. So Logano was like really, really plotting his move and and felt like he really had to break through that um, and make, you know, he'd have one shot to make the pass or else Chastain would try to do something and, and Logano was going to be ready for it. But, you know, at the same time I said to Chastain, like, how does this... What's this like? I mean, he just wanted to have a chance at the cup level, right? I mean, it, you can get it caught up and, man, I, I, I had a shot to make the Final Four. You know, I'm bummed. But he just wanted to get to the cup level. He just wanted to get... I mean, even the Xfinity level in, in a good ride. And here he was late in a the round of eight playoff race um, with a chance to go to the Final Four and legit racing for the win. I mean, what a... That was a great day for Ross Chastain. I mean, he's really... He's got the speed. He's he's driving well. Um, he he's it just feels like he's this close to the final four. Like he can taste it.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he his bread and butter this year has been intermediate tracks, particularly mile and a half racetracks. No driver scored more points this year. He's had the consistency. No drivers led more laps this year. So this was a big thing for him. And next week at Homestead, it's the same thing. Like you got to go there and do this again. You got to run top five. You got to get stage points. And if you can do that, and you can get to Martinsville, and you can just kind of have a, a good day and stay out of trouble, you're racing for a championship in Phoenix, and it's an incredible story. And to me, you know, people a lot of get people got caught up, in, and I'm guilty of this too of you know his aggressiveness and his you know his penchant for making other people mad and everything. It's like we're losing sight of like this is a driver who really is if you look at it for all intents and purposes is basically in his second full year in college because he's running you know this is only his second time he's the you know, second year with a with a big team, right? And so, like, you're learning the nuances of this, of racing with these guys and restarts and how to manage this. And he's done a good job. I mean, it, it, yeah, he's had some bumps in the road, and you can point some fingers and some things maybe you could have done different. But he. you can see, like, he is getting better, and his he's not making the same mistakes. And Remember, he's going through that big stretch this summer where it's like, fast race car, fast race car, fast race car, and just kept wrecking. Not doing that now. Like, he's got fast race cars, and he's getting the finishes going along with it. This is the guy who's looking at the big picture. and. This is such a good story and it's you can't say it enough of like this is a you know eighth generation watermelon farmer who's not supposed to be in this spot and has every time it feels like he was getting a, you know climbing up the ladder somebody would put uh, you know butter on on the, on the next rung and he'd slip and fall right and yet he's figured this out and he's in this spot and he's making the most of it and it's a, it's a really it's a great story. NASCAR hasn't had a story like this like this Cinderella esque kind of underdog story in a, in a long time it's it's really refreshing
1: well and i mean when's the last time he made somebody mad
0: i mean not it's in the playoffs right
1: no well did kyle bush say something about him on, at post-race oh they were did they i, I didn't i missed the kyle Bush. Came, stuff, but yeah they were they were sort of uh bumping a little bit on the cooldown lap right yeah. or something yeah but i mean it doesn't make take much to make kyle bush mad but
0: doesn't oh i didn't realize that
1: <laughs> but uh, you know <laughs> I, I it just feels like um you know, I was Logano was one of the people that was mad at him at one point this year and Logano's in now. So he's not going to do anything as we've talked about on the podcast. As long as Denny's still trying to make it, he's not going to do anything. Um, you know what Kyle Bush going to try to take Chastain out or, or Austin Dillon or somebody like that. No. So really at this point, I mean, it's, it's Chastain having a chance to go do something. Um, and I, I don't see, I, I see more clear sailing for him. Um, He's plus 18 on the cut line. He's second in points now. Um, he's in a good spot. He's in a really good spot. And I really think that, you know, he's got a chance to, to win it. If he gets there um, Trackhouse has surprised all of us all year, especially me, obviously. So, you know, you, you definitely can't count him out. And it, it is a great story. Like you said, I mean, the chase Briscoe story is about as good as it gets to, I mean, a guy that was really on the scrap heap and um, you know, that's that's very rewarding as well. But, um, you know, the one, the one driver you, and you mentioned it, I mean, Christopher bell and gosh, I, I I can't even keep track of all the ups and downs. Um, you know, every week on this podcast, it's a wild change of fortune for this guy, because as we've documented, you know, three top fives in the first round. And, um, you know, Adam Stevens was saying today after after the wreck, I mean, he was like, it it, actually, we had some bad luck that round. We could have, done even better. Um, then the next round they go and it looks like they're going to be absolutely done after Texas and Talladega and you know, they're going to run seventh or eighth at the Roval. They get the late caution with the sign. Um, they're able to turn that into a win and, you know, pull themselves out of the scrap heap. Then they come to this round, which is supposed to be the straightforward round. And he's super optimistic um, coming into today, oh, you know, we've really got the speed to go win. And actually I think, you know, and Adam Stevens said it, they, they might've had a winning car today. I mean, they were going to have a shot and, uh, then the Bubba Larson thing happens and, and we'll get into that of course. But for, from Bell's standpoint, what another massive blow and a massive setback. Now he's probably going to have to go. I mean, not probably, I mean, he's pretty much going to have go to go win homestead um, I mean, I guess you could try to win Martinsville, but that's a. I
0: just don't see that happening. Yeah. You.
1: No, I I think Homestead's his shot, and that's it's weird. really yeah. unfortunate it, for him. You know,
0: it is. I mean, he's he's had. I mean, with, I'll push aside his troubles. He's been probably one of the most consistent, maybe outside of Elliott. Like he's been there every step of the way, and it's just uh, things outside of his control keep happening. It's unfortunate he had a really fast car today. I mean, people on the radio were tell- saying that he and the, the 22 were the two fastest cars. Well, the 22 won the race, and 20 was right there. And I think it's fair to say he probably would have been in the top five and been in a good spot. And Homestead's a really good track for him. And now it feels like so many drivers, it, for so many drivers, Homestead looms large. Like you have to go to Homestead and do well. Otherwise, to think that you can go to Martinsville and win. I don't know. I mean, I, no offense to Chase Briscoe, no offense to Christopher Bell. I, I just don't like their chances to win at Martinville because there just seems to be a certain group of drivers who tend to do well there consistently. And we'll see. Um, it just, it sucks. And it sucks that this was, he was taken out by something that frankly shouldn't have happened. And also by basically a teammate as well. And, that's that. that's going to sting and you can, you can say all you want to about how it's just, you know, you get the short end of the stick, but really you got to feel like someone's taking, taking the short end of the stick and they're beating you over the head with it because this just repeatedly he's just getting stuffed and it's just, it's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. That's brutal, brutal development. Let's talk about what happened there with Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson. So obviously it looked like, you know, they were racing three wide for a minute there. Harvick was in the middle. Harvick backs out. They go into the corner and Larson, you know, drives it in a little bit too deep and kind of comes up the track and ends up putting Bubba in the wall. Nobody's disputing that that was, you know, a mistake by Larson. Larson explanation for that was, hey, I I feel like I have not been aggressive enough and I have not been, you know, taking advantage of my speed enough. Oh. Do you hear that in the background, Jordan? Inspections complete. Inspections hey! complete. So we don't have to have another podcast where uh something Here, happens in good. the middle of it. Yeah. Anyway, so uh is yes. the eleven
0: is the eleven the random, by the way?
1: I I you know I missed that as we were talking. Oh, I don't know the Uh anyway. So Larson says afterwards, like at, at the care center, like, I, you know, I feel like I haven't been aggressive enough. I haven't taken advantage of our speed enough. And I'm trying to, you know, be <laughs> a, more aggressive. What? Who's a random?
0: Uh, It is it is a Toyota, but it's not Hamron. Oh, who is it? It's Ty Gibbs and Suarez.
1: Ty Gibbs and Suarez. Okay. Interesting. And the
0: way I read way I read, it, it said the Gibbs cars or the Gibbs car. And I was like, oh, they're taking all the jokers racing cars. Oh.
1: oh, I see. <laughs> Well, Sorry. I mean, uh, if Ty Gibbs was penalized, Denny Hamlin would have to pay money. That's true. That's so. true.
0: Maybe this is a uh, backdoor way to kind of, uh, you know. I do know.
1: Anyway, uh, so, yeah. So Larson said, you know, basically I was trying to be aggressive, made a mistake. You know, he's right to be mad. However, I mean, obviously, Bubba Wallace, I mean, you, you can't do that. Um, there's no, not one person would say, Oh, okay, it's okay to drive down the track and hook him. Obviously, I don't buy the explanation whatsoever that his steering was broken. Um, that was a completely, you know, intentional takeout. Now, I mean, I don't think any of that's in dispute. The question is, from NASCAR's standpoint, how will they react to this? How should they react to this? um what will what will come of this um, with Bubba Wallace, uh, you know, going down, I mean, there's, there's a couple elements at play here because first of all, you, you right hook a guy on the straightaway at a mile and a half track in a, in a year when, um, you know, your own, well, both of their teammates are out with concussions, yep. Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman. Yep. So you, everybody's been talking about safety lately. That was an unsafe move, uh, especially in these, in these cars. Right. And it was a high speed track. It wasn't like at Martinsville or something like that. Second, you know, he walks all the way down there. Um, you know, uh, you could probably say it's still a live track. I don't have as big of a problem with that. I know some people did, uh, but I think that was that was okay. Now, you know, you go after Larson, who obviously doesn't fight back. Larson wanted no part of the fight. I mean, he's, Larson's a little guy. He's he's, he's said constantly he's not going to. He wanted no fight part people. of that whatsoever. Yeah, he was just going to defend himself. You know, but if there's um, that
0: should have kept his helmet on. It should have been Larson.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, and then, uh, you know, you have Bubba, you know, some people upset about the, you know, he he put his hand on the official. The official had put his hand on him and, and Bubba sort of removing it. So I, I don't have as big a problem with that necessarily. I mean, the the one big glaring thing is that he blatantly retaliated against somebody in a dangerous manner. So that's that's where we are. So Jordan, what will NASCAR do and what should nascar do those are two different things what what's your take
0: you ready for this hot take okay i don't have one i I don't know i i can make a case why he could should be suspended i can make a case why he shouldn't be suspended um I, i don't know i do not like the fact that he took larson out that was really dangerous larson is fortunate in a way that he bounced into uh Christopher Bell's car because otherwise the impact with the front stretch wall would have been bad with the back end of this race car probably and Larson could have been injured and that that is concerning and that can't happen so if you want to hand a a one race suspension to Bubba and Parker for a week and say listen this is the precedent going forward I understand that I get it I don't have a problem with it my only issue if you will is what does this do in terms of um how things are officiated going forward is this a case-by-case basis where you have to take into account the, the track like if this happens at martinsville and you spend somebody out is it not a problem and it, you know or is it because it was a higher speed track and Larson could have been hurt i mean that is where i i you know i, I like to have consistency and precedent and so that you know if you're i, I feel like you should have a almost across the board penalty i'm not on a track by track case by case basis so <laughs> i don't envy nascar my guess is i don't think they would suspend him i think you know this is his first offense quote unquote um larson wasn't hurt i, I think you could see a fine a big fine but i don't think you're going to see a suspension i would be surprised by that but if nascar did want to send the message of hey You know, people are saying we don't take safety seriously and everything going on. We want to make sure that, you know, that we, we are law and order around here. I I could also see them throwing down a, a suspension. You, Jeff.
1: I think that NASCAR needs to suspend Bubba Wallace. NASCAR should suspend, suspend Bubba Wallace, um, for one race. You cannot have this. You just can't, um, not, not at a track like this, um, you know, playoffs are not playoffs. You just can't have a situation where a competitor loses their cool. And look, it, Larson did this in, the, in in the clash. Um, He lost his cool and took a was, was it Haley or Ty Dillon? Haley, Haley right? Haley. Yeah, um, and and stuffed Haley into the concrete barrier. And Larson said, "Look, I've I've done it before, so I get it." But <clears throat> in this situation, um high speeds. I, I'm sorry, that's it's dangerous. You can't do that. And if they don't suspend him. Look, all the other drivers are watching what they're going to do here. And, you know, I I think that sends a message. So you have to set an example. Um, I think it's going to be very difficult because of extenuating circumstances for NASCAR because they're going to say, gosh, first of all, Bubba Wallace is obviously the most polarizing driver. He's the one driver is, you know, outside of NASCAR that probably everybody knows. And so if you see... The headline: Bubba Wallace suspended by NASCAR. That is going to completely overshadow. You're going to get all of the
0: knuckleheads out there who th- this is. Just well, just that's already happened. Fuel.
1: That's already happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. going to get fuel to their fire, though. And then, oh, this 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 guy doesn't. Like, you're going to get.
1: Just... You're going to get national. This is going to be like yeah. Good Morning America. Bubba Wallace yeah. suspended by NASCAR. You know, you're going to get all these sort of negative headlines. It's going to completely overshadow the playoffs. So that's bad, but. I don't think that you can officiate based on, you know, gosh, this is going to look bad for us or this is going to be, you know, overshadow our playoffs or whatever. Because the alternatives, okay, like would you take points away as he's in, you know, the owner points for Kurt and that hurts 2311 or something and, and you know, in in the battle to get up to fifth in points I don't know. I mean that taking points, is he really going to care that much? Like, is that going to send him the message that, you know, because then you, you try to make his team mad at him or something like that. Um, I mean, I'm sure that he realizes it was not a good thing to do afterwards, but you have to get these guys to realize in the moment, okay, I can't do that. And obviously, I mean, it was very quick. It happened super quick and he made a decision. He was super mad and he was still so mad afterwards. He walks down there and tries to instigate a fight, but You just, uh, you just can't have that. I'm I'm sorry. You just can't have that at top level of NASCAR. Doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter who it is, what the circumstances are. You have to officiate that in a way that the message gets sent loud and clear. And, you know, I mean, if that was Kyle Busch, people would be calling for like a lifetime ban or something. You know. Um, Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Would you suspend Larson? after the clash then, because it was kind of the similar thing, right? I would, you no, no? I would aggression? not suspend. And I do, I,
1: I to bring up your point mm-hmm. earlier that you, you do have to officiate a different at different tracks. I mean, at a short track, I do think that you say, okay, well this guy spun this guy on purpose or wrecked this guy on purpose. It is, it is not as dangerous of a situation as it would be at an intermediate or, I mean, imagine somebody doing that at a super speedway or something. That'd be crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you, I just don't think you can let that go at an intermediate. I, I think it is it is a little bit different. Had that been at Martinsville and you hook somebody on the straightaway at Martinsville, not a great look, whatever, but it's Martinsville. You know, you're know. you not going as fast. Um, the, the chances somebody could get hurt are less. So I just think, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe that sends a mixed message, but if you're NASCAR, how do you let this go and just say, ah, oh, we're just going to give you a big fine? Like who cares about a big fine?
0: Is that letting it go though? I mean like if you hit him with a – like, so Jeff Gordon was fined hundred grand in 2012 for taking up Boyer who was in the playoffs and everything. If you hit Bubba with a, a six-figure fine, let's say $200,000, right? Is that letting him off easy though? I mean is that is that – I mean that, that's a pretty big fine. Plus there's some other penalties involved. I mean do you have to go to the suspension route? Can you hit him in a way where you don't have to escalate it to the, to the su- suspension? And you could also tell the other drivers, hey – we, we are, this is not talk, like you can kind of throw it on the gauntlet and be like, Hey, listen, this is the, this is what we're doing now. If this continues, this is just going to get worse. And we're going to, we're going to escalate our penalties.
1: I don't think that's a strong enough message personally. Um, I don't think that money is going to be the deterrent for the next time this happens. What sends a message to drivers is you cannot drive the next week. You know, that's what really gets their attention if a driver in the moment goes you know i'm going to wreck this person yeah it's oh well it's going to cost me 200 grand but i'm still so mad it's not you know versus hey if i if i do this here i'm i'm out i'm out of the car for the next week um that's going to cause all sorts of stuff so i i don't know i just i mean i'm trying to be as objective as possible here and just Think about if this was any driver, what would I say? And this is not directed at Bubba or if it was Kyle, it wouldn't be directed at Kyle. If it was Chase Elliott, it wouldn't be directed at Chase Elliott. Bottom line is driver X did this to driver Y. Therefore, this should be the penalty. And I think that you have to park him for a week. I mean, they would have parked him for the rest of the race today, right? Um, You would think if if he was able to continue. Um, He wasn't. So there's no penalty, so I think you have to now take the next step and say sorry, you can't race for the next week and hopefully that delivers a message. That's that's how I feel about it.
0: I get it and I understand it. I I don't I don't envy NASCAR. I really don't cuz I I just don't think you you're in a no-win situation here. I, you what he did was unacceptable. It was dangerous and he's darn lucky that no one got hurt. And that if if can you imagine if Larson would have gotten hurt or somebody else. And then, you know, I mean, think of the headlines of that (laughs) on top of all the safety issues going on right now. It's let me add
1: another, let me add another element to this too. Larson is not in the playoffs as a driver, but he is in the playoffs for owner points still. Sure. Um, and he was in the round of eight for owner points. Now he's obviously wrecked and would have to win for his owner to move on. That's a lot of money. So that is technically a playoff driver in a way. Now, you also, you know, another playoff driver, Christopher Bell, got a DNF because of this incident. Um so if you're into sort of protecting playoff drivers in a way or trying to make sure they don't get messed with or manipulated or something like that. Now this wasn't manipulation. This was just retaliation that probably was just, you know, too excessive, but the the bottom line is there was some damage to playoff drivers and the, the the picture there, you know, NASCAR obviously valued, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin getting spun under caution before the penalty was overturned. They valued that as a 25 point penalty to William Byron. Um, and that wasn't wrecking somebody out. That was just spinning someone, spinning another playoff driver, uh, under caution. Um, so these were two playoff drivers that were involved in this. Um, so I don't know if that, if that, adds to it or not but I, I just the bottom line is you you have to discourage this going forward so how do, how do you do that other than issue a suspension there's no again the, the points money i think it's maybe a symbolic thing but i think you really have to how, how surprised would you be if they did nothing at all
0: like nothing, no penalty, no point, no point penalty, no nothing. Correct. That I would be shocked. I, I, and I would, I would be floored and I would not expect that to happen.
1: Well, last week on this podcast, we said that we would be pretty shocked if they did anything to Cole Custer, even mentioned a hundred thousand dollar fine. And we said, you can't go down that road. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and they we did. said, no, nah, they're not going to do that. And they, they did, did. So
0: yeah, I can't wait for that appeal, by the way. That's going to be interesting to see. Here's a question for you. So Bob Wallace made this long, slow walk to Kyle Larson, right? Right. It was pretty obvious. Like, you knew what his intentions were. At that, don't you – I mean, are you okay with NASCAR stepping in there, like, intervening, like, grabbing Wallace before he gets there? Like, let's not let this escalate to something even more. Or at that point, the ship has sailed. And if these guys want to fight, let them fight. I, and, again, I can't believe I'm saying this because, again, I'm Team Chaos. And, you know that, you know, that's entertainment to some level, but – I feel like this could have also you, you could have this should have been shut down before it even got to that point. Um,
1: I'm mixed on this one. I'm mixed on this one because you know there's been criticism before. Like, okay, two two drivers start to fight on pit road, and the officials jump right in and separate them. And you're like, let them. You want the sport to be like this and you use this for highlight reels and stuff like that as a selling point for commercials and all this stuff. So let them duke it out um so that that's one part of it on on the other hand I almost feel like I actually am not you said it was clear what his intentions were I don't know that I thought he was going to go down there and and fight him or or try to go at him like that I thought they might get in some sort of heated conversation like what the hell was that kind of thing you know um and, and and maybe it would escalate but I didn't think he was just going to go down there and just, you know, the Kyle Busch Vegas walk, essentially, uh, you know, <laughs> the long march to get to Joey Logano yeah. and then pop. You know, I didn't think that, you know, because Bubba had a long time thinking think about that. And Bubba was overreacted with his aggression. I mean, the, the other thing about that is um, Bubba's car was not going to be a DNF after hitting the wall. Right, I no. mean, he 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 might have had damage, or they might have had to replace a tow link or something. Maybe his chances of winning were going to be done, but he wasn't going to like completely destroy his car until he wrecks Larson like that, and then they both go crashing. So, um, by the by the time Bubba got down there, I kind of thought thought Larson was, you know, Bubba had made it made his message clear, you know, like he had already done his act. I didn't think he had to you know, add to it by, uh, getting physical Larson's just said afterwards, I wish he had just done the physical part of it and not the blatant car wrecking part of it on the front stretch. Right. Yeah. Cause, uh, that's not, that's dangerous. You know, yeah.
0: Christopher Bell thinks that's so too, probably
1: <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine that, I mean, Toyota cannot be happy without how that unfolded. Oh,
0: absolutely not. I mean, how can they be right? I mean, one, it's the whole Christopher Bell component. You've got this guy who's racing for a championship, who is set up really well to have a good round two really strong tracks, got a fast race car to win that race. Your stupidity, let's just call it that, right? I think that's fair. Um, took out your teammate racing for a championship. Um, two, you yourself had a good race car, potentially a race-winning race car. Who knows what the damage would have been, whatever. But, again, we saw Kyle Busch come from the back after he spun out, like – you can fix these race cars, right? Like, it was fine. And you just potentially threw that away. And three, you know, we're, we, Bubba has is Bubba's emotions sometimes for a long time have gotten the best of him, And that's not led to the best decision making. And really in the second half of this year, why he's been on this upswing is because he has done a really good job of keeping his emotions in check, not letting his anger when things go wrong get the better of him and it's no coincidence that really since nashville when he started to kind of really work on this a lot his performance has gotten better and better and this was a huge step back and so yeah i mean toyota's got every reason to be pissed they should be like for a lot of reasons and the fact that i I go back what i said like you're it's really unfair to say this it is incredibly unfair bubba wallace is held to a different standard by a lot of people and it's not fair he shouldn't be but he is and you just gave all of those knuckleheads out there reason to, to say, oh, see, I told you. And it's like, it's not fair. It's not right. But that's what he's going to have to deal with now from going forward. It's just going to get thrown back in his face from here to eternity.
1: Yeah, I could even, I mean, my Twitter mentions today. Oh, it's after that. It was, it was, it wasn't the, I mean, just the sheer volume. Um, I think by the time I had gotten, by the time I left the press box and ran down to the infield care center and then got back you know, to the media center after that, I I had like 1100 new replies on Twitter. Just what, just this massive stream of people just like all just furious over what had happened or whatever, for various reasons. And yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, it was a giant step back for him. He's come so far. It seemed like he, he had maybe moved past this. I mean, this isn't like rage quitting on iRacing and then blue emu gets mad at you. You know what I mean? Remember that? whole thing during the pandemic 2020 you know this this is like a big time playoff race with implications uh, of the championship and and driver safety at stake and again i mean it's just uh yeah it's it's gonna be very very interesting to see how nascar deals with it because we haven't really seen an instance like this recently that i can think of i don't know what, what the precedent would be and um yeah they're gonna have a very interesting interesting call but Again, uh, my personal thing is I I don't think you can do less than a, than a suspension and that's going to be a big deal, but we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: So, um
1: yeah. on the other hand, uh I was just very pleased with how the race played out as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um it just uh I don't know why this was so refreshing in the sense that I just don't think we've I mean I guess there has been really no situations so far in these playoffs through the first couple rounds where you had playoff drivers, you know, going head to head For a playoff spot in the next round and just, you know, getting the chance to race it out and us saying, okay, this is what happened. This is why this person's advancing. This is why this person's going to the final four. Um, that was what I want to see out of the playoffs as a whole, you know, the, the best drivers of the year getting down to this spot, um, with everything on the line, final laps and showing their talent, showing their skills, Showing their team's ability to build fast cars, and uh, I just thought that was, you know, that was the palate cleanser that everybody needed. That was the refresher uh, everybody needed today. And uh, I will leave here feeling positive again about NASCAR after last week. Which, by the way, I appreciate. I got some DMs, Jordan, that were like, "Oh, you know, you you sound really down about the state of NASCAR right now." And, you know, I, I feel you and you're speaking for the fans and, you know, speaking for a lot of us, how we feel Then I got other DMS that were like your podcast. I mean, if you're going to be like that, it's like unlistenable. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't even make it through your podcast last week because it was so bad because you were, you were just so sour. Um, I get that, but I'm, it's tough because I try to, I mean, the whole thing of this podcast is we're doing it in the moment right after a race. I'm obviously uh, emotional in terms of my reactions to many things. So this is what you're getting, like my take on the race. So I don't really have time to, you know, sleep on it or calm myself down. If stuff stinks or stuff's good, that's how I'm going to react. So I, I definitely feel bad though. If people were like, Oh man, you really like ruined my week or something last week by listening to your podcast. But what's that way to go. Yeah. Well, I feel, I feel bad, but at the same time, like, what do you, I don't know what to do. Like I could either sort of like just put this wall up and be like, well, I
0: don't really care. Like I'm just, that's I'll, what I do uh, become unemotional, but don't let anything affect you. You know, don't, don't open yourself up to anybody. Just be cold, jaded, black heart. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if that works for you, I, I mean, it, you probably have a longer lifespan in the sport than I do. Cause it, the ups and downs are, where, where are you down, uh, mentally, but, um, you know, I, I, I think the bottom line, I guess that I feel like sometimes I don't get across well enough is that I, I, I do care about what happens. I don't want, um, you know, just because of the, I feel like I've invested my life in following this sport. And if it's not going the right direction, it bothers me. So, um, you know, that's, that's where I come from on, on all my reactions to things. But, um, again, you know, this, I was hoping this round would, would maybe save things a little bit. This was a great race to start things off. Homestead obviously feel, feel very optimistic about it. However, I got to tell you, Jordan, some of the drivers this week in the media bullpen and things like that were sort of sounding the alarm about Homestead. Um, if you think about it, the Homestead that we knew in the championship era was like, everybody's sort of running their race and then you had a couple guys figure out you know Larson, Reddick mm-hmm. um hey we can run the top and make time and and how will that play out uh when they're competing against everybody else who's not necessarily running the wall then you start to get more people running the wall you know Chase Briscoe's people like that um but now the drivers are saying okay well we're all going to be on the wall first of all um and second of all it's this is going to be a very difficult race to pass like this is going to be um you know we're all going to sort of be in a a line running the wall and arrow is going to be a big deal and you're going to have to try to go below someone to make a move and you might not be able to do it and it's just going to be sort of track position dependent that said there's some hope because you know tire wear is going to be a thing so you could have the comers and goers let's hope that that's the case but uh yeah, some guys were just like, eh, I don't think Homestead's going to be as as great with this car. So, and they just did the test there. So that's that's maybe why they're saying that. But it, it should be interesting to see how that plays out.
0: It'll be interesting, and you know, I'm optimistic because of tire wear and that guys tend to get into wall the wall there. And you know, with this new car, you you have a little bit more forgiveness. So maybe drivers be more aggressive, and they'll be able to take chances and they'll bounce off the wall more, and that'll open up some passing. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. I love Homestead. It's a great track. It's the best mile-and-a-half racetrack in NASCAR, and it's not even close. I hope they have a great race there. I am really glad that this track is now in the playoffs. This They're back in the playoffs and where it is. I think that's great. Hopefully we get a good race because of it. We'll see.
1: Yeah, it definitely deserves to be there and deserves to be in the playoffs um, in, in, a, in a crucial race, too. Speaking of tires, Jordan. I was very nervous about this Las Vegas race based on what we yes. saw at Texas. How are the teams going to get through this? Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, you're going to pop so many tires. Guys are going to back into the wall. Anybody that's going fast, they're going to have tire problems. And, you know, in fact, to the point where when, when Blaney, you know, cause Blaney had had some courting in practice uh, when he was fastest car. And, you know, he didn't even have that long of a run and he had some courting and it was like, uh Oh, Um, So when Blaney actually hit the wall, I thought, oh, flat tire. Blaney has a flat tire. Um, And we really didn't see many tire issues today. I mean, I think Austin Sindrick did, right? I, I don't know that he hit the wall before he had his flat tire. But aside from that, we didn't really. I mean, like Kyle Busch, when he spun, seemed like he spun on his own. Suarez, when he spun, he was racing somebody. It wasn't a flat tire. So here we have an intermediate track. I mean, did the teams just get their setups better and add the air pressures better. What, what happened? I think
0: a little bit of luck involved in this. I mean, if you look at it, if 30 to 40 laps, really more towards 40 was when the tire issues kind of started to prop up, like crop up a little bit. You heard of it. Like towards the end of stage one, guys were coming on saying, oh, I'm starting to vibrating a little bit. Right. So stage one was 80 laps. So you can basically cut it in half. You you pit on lap 40, you pit on lap 80. And then if you look towards stage three of this, um, cautions came at a fortuitous time where you didn't really have to worry about it too much, where Texas, it did seem to get strung out quick and you had a little bit of green flag racing and then something, you know, guys would lose a tire. And so it, there was just enough margin of error there today and just enough cautions that came at fortuitous time where you didn't have to worry about it too much. If, this would, if you would have seen long green flag runs, I, I don't know if we, I think we'd be having a different conversation.
1: Well, it's time to talk about the, was it a good race poll? Um, We were both way off last week, Jordan, because we thought that people weren't going to like the Roval, but we didn't realize how much people were going to like, really not like the Roval. Uh, What was it? 18% or whatever it was. I mean, that was, it was one of the worst uh, races in poll history. So um, not, not great. We, we, we thought it was going to be more, you know, either 40 or 50 or something like that. However, if you are keeping score, I have not since we brought the guesses back, I'm undefeated. And for the season, I've now uh we've we've brought to a tie, according to Big Joe Wall72 who tabulates these things. It's 14 to 14. Um, so do you want to uh do the thing where we Well actually we can't because I don't have a piece of paper. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. like last week where we showed each other the piece of paper. I don't have a piece of paper. I could type it on my phone, or would you rather just do the guesses?
0: Nah, just go ahead and say it. I trust you. It's okay.
1: Okay. So I think this was a good race. Um, how are people going to view it though? That's my question. I think it should be over 80. I don't think it was a 90% race. I think it should be low 80. So I would just say 82. What do you think?
0: a number. I'm going to go seventy-eight. 78. Why, why is that? It was that? good. Good, solid racing. I, I don't think it was one of those races you're going to look back and I go, oh, my goodness, that was tremendous. You compare it to other races on Mount F race tracks this year, the action probably wasn't to that level. But it was good. It was solid. I, and I think there's something to redeem out of this. But is it memorable? No. Besides the Larson-Wallace thing, which we'll probably see on highlights for from here to eternity. But I, I'm okay with that. I'll take a 78% race compared to what we saw last week at the Roval.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, intermediate tracks continue to, I mean, even, well, except for Texas, but even, you know, the intermediate tracks, like, yeah, you know, t- like you said today, it wasn't, there's been so many great intermediate track races this year. I'm not saying this beats them, but at the same time, like this was a good, if, if you look at this race compared to like previous Las Vegas race, I mean, Las Vegas used to be pretty bad for a while there. Las Vegas sucked. Like there were some really bad Las Vegas races. You, you got a couple decent ones, but there were some ones that were just like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. So this is way better than those used to be. So I think, uh, the car continues to, uh, you know, be well there. Um, you know, we, we've already obviously talked a lot about Kurt Busch and, you know, his injury, um, Alex Bowman, and that stuff, all the safety stuff. We've, we've discussed a lot of that. Um, However, obviously this weekend, Kurt Busch made it official that he will not be driving, um, you know, full time anymore. Um, And, you know, maybe maybe leaves the door open for for a one off to come back. But uh, obviously a shame to see that. Obviously a shame to see the Alex Bowman situation. I don't think we're surprised about the Kurt part of it. Um, The Bowman part, you know, hopefully he he's able to come back um, at least for maybe he can run Phoenix and have one last send off with Greg Ives there. Um, you know, before Ives steps away from the crew chief role. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Any 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 thoughts about we, – we both wrote about Kurt on The Athletic. If you want to see more of our thoughts, um, you know, feel free to visit that. I wrote a column about his legacy and, and his career and things like that. Um, what, do, what do you think about his announcement?
0: It's really unfortunate because he was – you know, very rarely do athletes get to go out on their own terms and how they want to, but Kurt seemed to be going out his way. Which was with a new team that loved him, valued him, on the track, off the track. He was having all of the success, won a race again, looked like you know he was gonna be a, a factor in the playoffs. He was gonna have one more year with 2311 next year and, and continue this, this upward trend and have a long goodbye. And it got taken away. And it's really unfortunate that an athlete, any athlete, doesn't get to go out on their own terms and, and get has to retire because of injury. It's cruel and it's really unfortunate. It's too bad for Kurt. Um, I think you did a really good job in, in your column of how he's had a really—I don't know the word for this—he's just had a very like perplexing career. Like it's it's two halves, and they're two completely dissimilar halves. Like the first half of his career, he was—I mean—a jerk. Is that fair to say? Like he was not well liked, and he said and did things that people didn't like, and he got in trouble, he got suspended, and all of these things. And he got fired from Team Penske. And then the second half of his career, he's like this beloved guy who teams are clamoring for. Not just because he's a good race car driver, but because of what he does behind the scenes. And every team he's been with in the second half of his career, from Phoenix Racing to Furniture Row to Stuart Haas to Ganassi to 2311, they've all been marketably better. When he, after he leaves, like, and I don't, that's not a coincidence. Like, he is, he's the quintessential to me, locker room guy. And he is, it's amazing how he's just kind of this, this, this really changing career dynamic. And it's, uh, I'm really curious to see what his next act is. And he's going to go into a leadership position within, you know, 2311 Toyota family there of what he can do to kind of continue this. And I, you know, he might be one of those guys that maybe he is like a, a Jeff Gordon or somebody like that who who has an impact away from the racetrack. as like he did on the racetrack.
1: Yeah. And even talked about, um, how he might want to do something with Fox sports. I think he'd be great in the booth, obviously, if that's the direction he wants to go. And it seems like there's a lot of avenues he could do, uh, to go to stay in, uh, stay in NASCAR and, and stay involved. And like you said, I mean, the career arc he had is pretty wild, uh, I mean, he was probably one of the least liked personalities and people in the garage for a long time and then ended up being this sort of popular figure that everybody sort of wanted to embrace and wanted on their team. And you don't see many, uh, many turnarounds like that. Um, no, oh, yeah, that's, it's crazy. Um, so next week, wow, this is going to be a, that's going to be a, a big week, tough podcast probably because uh Formula 1 is coming back to the United States for the Coda race in Austin. I'm going to that. You are going to Homestead Miami to see the NASCAR playoff race, see what happens next. And of course, wouldn't wouldn't you know it, these races start within like 20 minutes of each other. So, <laughs> you know, the good news is F1 races are like what, like an hour and a half long or something. Yeah, so, 2 hours at the most. Yeah, so you know, NASCAR will uh you know, still be going. I'll probably at least get to watch the end of it. Uh, I'll try to keep tabs on it during so I'm not just totally in the dark watching the podcast or when we do the podcast. Um, but, yeah, there's going to be a lot to talk about next week, obviously. And um, we'll we'll have it all covered for you on The Athletic. So, of course, if you'd like to become a subscriber to The Athletic, read our stories, support our work, please visit our link at theathletic.com slash teardown. And if you do that, you should be prompted for the latest deal. Um, hopefully, it's it's a good one, and uh, you can become a subscriber if you're not already. Jordan, any any final thoughts before we say goodbye this week?
0: I got no final thoughts. I got meatballs and garlic bread in the oven, so I'm ready to have dinner.
1: Oh well, you put that in before the podcast?
0: Yeah, I put. You got to you got to start with the meatballs like literally like eight hours before.
1: Oh, I mean, this because podcast has been me. going on for an hour, so you've had garlic bread in the oven for an hour.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's fine. Are you it's sure it's not burnt? Up. It's not burning. I promise you. I'm
1: concerned. I'm very concerned.
0: It, it Literally, I can see my kitchen. There, there's no smoke. It, so it's your entire like apartment
1: degrees. now smells like garlic bread. This entire apartment. No,
0: like it, no, it smells like amazing, fabulous Italian food. That That's wow. what it smells like.
1: I tell you what, between the eggs and your Italian food, I think that we need to have like a... I think you need to... We need to pick like some lucky podcast listeners... And you will you will cook for everybody, including me, since I've never tasted this food that you say is so good. And uh, we'll have like a, a dinner, a, a Jordan prepped dinner, done uh, with some listeners. When, when will we do this?
0: Tell me, it's off season.
1: All right. Well, give us some ideas. To we'll, Char-
0: Why don't you come to Charlotte this off season?
1: All right, and we'll do a we'll do a, a podcast listener yeah. dinner, done. Okay. How how long will it take you to make this dinner for? How many how many people can you have over?
0: Uh, I don't know, a half a dozen, dozen people. I don't know.
1: Oh wow, okay, so just six people?
0: Yeah, I don't know. You can uh, figure it out. That's that's okay. the easy part. I mean, I'm okay. telling you, that's worth it though. My meatballs are mouthwatering. <laughs> no, I'm serious. My Italian food is like ridiculous. It's my grandma's recipe. <laughs> we 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 did have the podcast
1: titled "My Eggs Are Delicious," my meatballs are mouthwatering. People might think is a reference to have, the Italian Joey Logano. So
0: I have a go-to move. <laughs> uh huh. I, mean, I won't say this out loud. Let's just say, if I have somebody over, I like to cook for them, and it tends to go very well.
1: Okay. Well, uh, anyway, we will we'll figure out figure out if this is doable in the off season. Everybody, thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time on the teardown.